1: It's Six Nations time, so we have got an absolute bumper preview episode for you, during which Dan and I run the rule over all of the teams. Uh, Dan Killick's even done his homework, done loads of prep on all the other teams as well, so you should feel truly honoured. We also have a good close look at Wales. We'll be selecting our side too. We've got the winner to the competition that we ran with the Indigo Group. That's announced in the second half of the show too, so make sure you have a listen to that. And uh, of course, we will be making some predictions along the way, looking at which players we're looking forward to seeing and all of the other stuff, and just generally getting overexcited about the Six Nations. So it is a bit of a long one this week. So make sure you get yourself a piping hot cup of So Coffee. And if you haven't got your So Coffee yet, then head over to SoCoffeeTrades.co.uk, our proud sponsors, uh, in order to get some good quality coffee. Big plug there for for Scott and the boys. Still waiting for my stocks to be replenished, but I'm sure he's on the case very soon. And uh, yeah, enjoy this week's episode. We're hopefully going to be producing more stuff throughout the Six Nations, and we've got a bonus episode coming up for you Mid-week where we have a preview of the Italy game. We're going to record that with um, uh, with Garrett, who is uh, a rugby coach, Garrett Davis. And uh, if you've not seen any of his videos on YouTube, they're fantastic. So have a, have a little look for them. And um, you can find those ones by heading over to YouTube uh, and searching for Garrett Davis. Um, so yeah, he's going to be coming on the pod very, very soon, which we're very excited about. But of course, the only way you can keep up to date with all of this stuff is if you subscribe to the pod. So whenever we drop some new stuff in there, you'll be able to get a notification straight away into your inbox. Right, all that out of the way. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a bumper episode of the Attack and Scrum podcast. Phillips to Charteris to out tackled by Zarzewski. On the 22, this is first! He's going to score a try! On a scale of one to excited, just how excited are you about the Six Nations kicking off next week?
0: I would say I'm about a nine at the moment. A nine? Yeah, I've got a, I've got a little way to go. Just left myself just one little notch up to go. You?
1: Yeah, I, I'd say exactly the same, actually. I'd be nine, nine out of ten desperate for it to start but it really ramps up when you get into match week and the team announcement and then you can kind of see you know who's going to be going out there and then you start seeing more and more stuff creeping into the mainstream media as well I think from there on in that's where you go right it's it's really upon us whereas now we're still a little over a week away but it's nice though isn't it a week out it feels you can just
0: really feel it start to you start to build. You you look at the diary, don't you? Work out where you're going to be on the match days. It's kind of the, it's where kind of the best. To, where bit. are you
1: going to be on this match day, Dan?
0: So first first one up, I'm I'm actually going to
1: be down uh, down on the coast in Wittering, which isn't the best of planning. But get, get will you be watching live, or will you have to be doing the likely lads and avoiding the result?
0: I'll be watching that live. Just get the family duties in early, and then uh,
1: I'll be flying over to Ireland then. A week later. <laughs> Cannot wait. That is going to be special, isn't it? That is going to be a special one. It's a good trip, yeah. Where will you be next weekend? Next weekend, we are moving house again into, uh, into a flat while they start the refurbs on our place. So I don't know whether I'm going to be done in time for the game or I'm going to have to do a Likely Lads and Watch in the evening, which I don't like doing for Wales games. It's one thing doing it for a Dragons game it's very, very much more difficult to avoid the result when it's a Six Nations game, just because all of a sudden you've got these people come crawling out of nowhere who don't, you know, who don't watch rugby throughout the rest of the year and stick their head over the fence and go, oh, yeah. <laughs> You're going yeah, to have yeah, yeah, to see it, that, surely. Yeah, yeah quite possibly. Yeah, quite possibly. And they're two good games to start with as well, not just the Wales game. You've got, the, you've got Ireland-Scotland on the Saturday also. So it's a real... Oh, it's a real belting day. So even if, yeah, if I can't watch it, then it's going to be right. Get everything done, phone off, and then phone off particularly because I know Craig will text me and say, "Oh yeah, what about this? What about that?" and ruin ruin uh, two brilliant games of rugby for me. And then it's just a question of watching it on uh, watching it on catch up. But yeah, ideally, you, you want to watch them live. Yeah, and it's
0: yeah, as you said, it is it is going to be a great opening weekend, isn't it?
1: It is. And to celebrate that, we have going to split this podcast into two halves. The first half, we're going to talk about the other five teams away from Wales, what we're looking forward to, who the threats are, how we think they're going to be getting on. So we're going to concentrate that in the first half. In the second half, we're going to look at Wales throughout the tournament. Dan and I will pick our teams for the Wales Italy game next week. We've got some listeners' questions coming in, we've got some any other business, and we'll be revealing who won our competition. Also, So all of that will be coming in the second half. But first up, with only a week to go, we're going to look at the other side. It's a slightly different feel this year, Dan, as well, because we've got a number of new head coaches in. Andy Farrell in charge of Ireland. You've got Galtier in charge of France, Franco Smith in terms of Italy, and, of course, Wayne Pivak for Wales. So four new head coaches in all of a sudden Eddie Jones and Gregor are looking like the old boys around the block. Whereas, you know, last year you had Gatland who'd been there for over a decade, Joe Schmidt. So it's a real new look competition, isn't it? And I think that makes it a bit more exciting, do you? Yeah, it does definitely adds to the excitement,
0: doesn't it? That we don't quite know how each side is gonna is gonna play, how they're gonna line up defensively. There's been you know quite a few uncapped players in each of the sides isn't there but yeah I mean England look England are rolling in with the, the most amounts of, uh, of continuity aren't they so yeah I'm, it does it does add something definitely to this six nations doesn't it
1: yeah I think it does and let's start should we start with England then yeah I suppose the well there's no doubt about it they are the pre-tournament favourites in terms of the bookies they were also pre-tournament favourites last year you know obviously the bookies is, a, is kind of a reflection of where the money's going but so you'd expect them to be, to be heavy favourites anyway. Do you think they warrant that tag though? Do you think they they go into this with the best chance of winning the tournament?
0: Yeah, I'd say they. I'd I'd have them down as favourites. Really, it's difficult to to pick out anybody ahead of them on current form, isn't it? Although there are there are a few question marks in. In in that English side, I think, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure we'll
1: come on before to that. I know before we go on, what question marks are you thinking? Yeah, I think they're they're slightly weak at nine. I'd agree with that. And I think they were in the World Cup, and it showed in the final. It did. Didn't I thought Ben Ga- Ben Youngs had the game of his life uh, in the semi final. But if I'm honest, I, for a side with the strength and depth in most other positions, they just don't have it at scrum half for me. And I think they've they've left out. They've left out a more exciting option that they could have gone for in uh, in nine in terms of in terms of Spencer from Saracens. I I find it quite yeah I find it quite strange. Neither of those neither of those two scrum halves are going to be at the next World Cup. No, I th- it looks like
0: Eddie, Eddie Jones is you know he's gone with he's gone with two scrum halves, isn't he? he's brought in you know Alex Mitchell as a, as an as an apprentice, but he's obviously going to make a change there, isn't he? Probably. You know, as soon as he can do because Mitchell's just getting up to fitness, isn't he? But it is—it is slightly peculiar. I would have, yeah, probably would have gone with, with, uh, you know, with, what, with a snap, with a snappier nine. But I think, I think we'll see more of uh, Hines in this. But they do. Do you think so?
1: I, it's really interesting, isn't it? Like, I think we will. 30, Thirty-three-year-old, well, you know, only only a handful of caps. It's quite a it's quite a strange one. I, I don't know. Here's a sub question for you. Does this then show that a World Cup cycle is a lot longer than you think and the temptation is to rip up rip up the rule book after the World Cup, get rid of some of the older players from the squad and start building afresh when the reality is you don't need to do that just yet because you've got a whole four years. Because like I say, I, I can't see Young's or high Well, Hines, as we said, is thirty-three. Youngs is thirty. Neither of those are going to be at the World Cup in in four years' time or three and a three three and three quarter years' time. So, yeah, Eddie, you know, it, I, mean, I would say well, Ed Jones is. I
0: think he's as good as said it, isn't he? That he's going to, he's going to sort of gradually make changes to the mm. to the side over the over the four year cycle. And yeah, I don't think that you have to make. You have to make all the changes at once. You, you, there's an argument. And quite a strong argument to say that that could, in fact, go against a side. Really, if you make if you make huge numbers of changes, it's certainly going to go against you. You know, initially, isn't it? And you can you can just sort of gradually build into, you know, build in some of these changes, unless there is a glaringly obvious, you know, player that that, that needs to be in there. But they are they are a little light at at, at nine, and yeah, I think that I actually think that yeah, Heinzel. Hines will uh, will have that have that spot, and I do think he's actually gonna. I think he's gonna deliver on quite a quite a decent decent tournament, which uh, probably will surprise you.
1: Well, you think I think Willie Hines is gonna start for England at nine? I do. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I the the thing that I find quite strange is in other positions he's been very quick to bring in less experienced players. You know, a number of players with no caps in there. Furback, the fullback from Northampton, Ollie Thorley on the wing. Who else is in there? The the centre from Northampton, Crazy Dingwall, Ben Earl in the back row, who is another you know another absolute beast of a player. I don't know why you wouldn't be looking at. Uh, you know, phasing out Willie Hines, really. I don't know, but look, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe he's gonna he's gonna deliver a massive tournament. I, for me, if I had the strength in depth that England have of that player pool to pick with, I wouldn't be plucking out a 33 year old. You know who's who's qualified via residency, but hey, you know what do I know? Well, it's,
0: yeah, it's kind of shows, doesn't it? I think that he's obviously got he's got a good amount of faith in, in the two nines in the two nines he's picked. But looking at it, he's such a it's such an important, an important position, isn't it? And I do think they're a little, a little underpowered there. And you know, certainly, when you look at, you know, when you look at Wales's nines, then we, we're going to cause some serious threats there, aren't we? And uh, yeah. uh, same with, same with the French
1: team as well. So that is an area that I think uh, sides can target. I mean, yeah, you, you're quite right. Taking a quick look at those two sides you've mentioned, the French, the French scrum halves. You've got DuPont who's in absolutely storming form for Toulouse. You've got Baptiste Serran, who's you know, he's only twenty-five himself, but a terrific talent. And then you've got Maxime Lucu as well. So yeah. there's you know, they're three fantastic scrambles. The Welsh the Welsh nine options, having Reese Webb to add his quality, and he will be hungry for this. You know, he's he's a nightmare time out in out in France. He's desperate to to get back, prove himself, get in there on merit and he's got to dislodge Gareth Davis and Thomas Williams from that squad so compared to that England do look very very light.
0: It, yeah they, they do so I think that's an area that that could potentially hurt them and I don't think the two nines they've gone for will will actually let them down but it's whether or not they can mm. really spark something and, yeah. and, and change a game so uh, t- t- time will tell and yeah going on for my for my initial point, the, you know, in, in terms of the eight, um,
1: mm.
0: you know, Billy's, Billy's injured again, isn't he? And they, yeah, they have, same ha- injury. Yeah. Same injury. What's that for? Is that fourth time now? Four, yeah. So that's not good for him. Is it, um, you know, potentially good for the other, for, you know, for the other, the other sides in the six nations, but they, England haven't got a specialist eight then, have they? with you know with a lot of with with well, with a num- some experience and no, they've not you know into their bet on it, and a good number of the pundits have come out and they and said you know you know you know don Brandt's not there, is he you know sam simmons yeah uh, you, know, you could say you know Zach Mercer as well has been playing mm. well, hasn't he so i'm I'm pretty pleased that they haven't gone for
1: they haven't gone for uh, from Simmons anyway from my perspective. Yeah, I am. I, you know, look, their their back row is still going to be something to be feared because, as we've said before on this, Curry and Underhill are two world class. I, I honestly, I put them in that based on their World Cup performances. They're both world class for me already. You know, Curry is so athletic and great over the ball, and Underhill, while we know particularly from his time at the Ospreys how good he is over the ball, he tackles so hard. You know, he's he's almost like a, a mixture of Lydiate and Warburton combined. Which I suppose is Warburton, really, but he he's a he's a fantastic player. So they are going to cause a threat to anyone, and that will make it easier at eight. I just think that adding adding in Billy Vanopola, who again is world class, that does disrupt it when you're asking someone like Ludlam, for example, to come in and do a job at eight. When I don't really think he's an eight at international level, I think he's a good blindside flanker, really. So yeah, you're be, right. It, I hope that so they do. They, I mean, if they
0: put if they put. Ludlum in there I think that will definitely favour all the other sides
1: mm. so yeah I would agree with that it's it's a it's a tricky one not having one on there and and to be honest I would rather yeah I'd rather they played someone like Ludlum there when we're facing them than having someone like Don Brandt who is a really powerful ball carrier he's a great athlete and you could see him causing damage playing in that England pack because they're going to get a lot of go forward ball and you can see him crashing over the gain line and
0: yeah he's got a lovely yeah, brandt has got a lovely offloading game as well yeah, as he, se- he
1: seems to have.
0: Uh, he's got that X factor, which, with the yeah you know, the two uh, the two headers they've got in the back row, it's a really nice it's a really nice balance. To that I think, uh, as much as I'd love them to go for Ledlam, uh, I feel they'll probably go with Ben Earl. And he, possibly he's, yeah. he's a he's a he's a very good player, isn't he? But that's that eight is a really specialist position. I think it is. You're going up a few levels as well at international yeah. and international eight. So, look, it could come off, and it could be it could be they could, could be it could be a really nice balanced back row. That is that is a, a there's a chance of that, isn't it? Because he's a, he's a good operator, very good operator. But we've got to look at it that that's a, an area to target as well.
1: Yeah, it, it is. As much as we've said that, and you pointed out a few of the potential areas of weakness in the England side they're still they're still coming off the back of an incredible run at the World Cup it doesn't always equate to you know World Cup form doesn't always equate to following it up straight away in the Six Nations do you think they're going to they're going to go on and and win the tournament for me it
0: comes down to their first game they've got a very difficult trip haven't they over in France Hmm. new look new look French side Loads of youth in there from, you know, from their successful under twenty sides, and you know, lots of changes in their coaching setup. So they're going to be really up for that. The French, the French fans will be bouncing if they if they get a win. And I think it's a, it's a big if. If England get a win over there, then I think they're going to be very difficult to stop. But I'm expecting an almighty effort from France. They wouldn't be at all surprised if they turn them over.
1: I, you know what. That was going to be my yeah my my bombshell of the podcast. I think France. I think France can win that one. I do just think they've got they've got some incredible young talent in there. Everyone is going to be busting a gut to want to keep their place, impress the new coach. It's not enough time for it all to go wrong in the dressing room, which it inevitably will at some point further on down the line. And I can just see them having an absolute stormer of a game. And like we said, perhaps a little bit like England did against New Zealand in the World Cup you know New Zealand weren't able to cope with the intensity that that England brought to that occasion and I could kind of see France bringing a similar level of intensity that England perhaps just can't match away from home on that first game like you say if they go two scores down where's that scrum half option that's going to change the game really as you like to put it up the tempo give you give you some real snap and and offer a game changing a, a game changer at at halfback so I could see it becoming a uh, a really fascinating contest that said I could still see England then going on to win the whole thing but I just think that first game is a is a real opportunity for France Agreed Yeah,
0: it's going to be a fascinating matchup and the French will be they're good aren't they when they focus on when they really focus in on on a particular game and it's It's almost like their Cup final, that one, isn't it? Mm. So, yes, uh, mouthwatering
1: prospects, really. It is. If you look back over the the previous few years, Wales getting the win in France last year was enough for them. Well, not, you know, we did just enough to get out of that. And then they went on, built the momentum to go on and win the Grand Slam. The year before that, Ireland and Johnny Sexton's dropped goal. They then went on to to complete the slam. That first game is so important, and I don't know. There, there seems to be something about it being out in France as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, it does. I do think that France will have a couple of big performances, but I also do think that they'll they'll be a there will be a couple of losses in there as well. So I think it'll be a mixed bag from the French, but I'm sure we'll move on to that.
1: Yeah, we will. Let's let's move on and talk about the French then. I think that do you know what? I think we're we're pretty much on the same page here. I can see some massive performances, particularly at home. I can see them. You know, for example, beating England at home but losing to Wales away. There's there's some wonderful talent in that side, but if England are kind of going for a bit of continuity off the back of the World Cup and not getting rid of the the whole kind of dead. Not Deadwood, but you know the older the older figures. France doesn't have that huge amount of experience and huge number of caps in their side. You know the I think just having a look at the squad in front of me, the player with the most amount of caps is Gael Fiku, who is only on fifty one caps and is aged twenty five. So you know he's very experienced for that that age, but yeah, it's not a you know that you look at the squad and. There's you know there's no Gerardo in there for example who was the the elder statesman the talismanic leader in the past. You've lost the likes of Vahamahina. Now again this this might be all to their uh, all to their credit and you know they're they're bringing in these young players to to come in and and really do a job and usher in a, a much more exciting version of French rugby like we like we're used to seeing in the past. But it does lack that experience and that's where I could see the. Perhaps not being able to string together a grand slam performance. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you mostly on that. They, the, you
0: know, they they they've gone out with the old guard, haven't they? So, whilst I do think that will benefit them in, certainly at home, mm. I think when they're on the road they typically struggle anyway, don't they? But, you know, with them with them get on, you know, Medard, Lopez, Uge, they. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, some of these guys are problematic, aren't they? But they're gonna it's difficult. You can't buy that or you can't buy that experience, can you, when you go when you go away from home? And I'm sure there there would have be been a lot of uh, a lot of pearls of wisdom coming from the the older, more experienced guys in that French team, which will probably go against them when they're on the road. But it it should probably it it'll, it'll add to some Hopefully, some champagne
1: rugby from the French, won't it? So that was going to be my next question. You are expecting to see a much more exciting brand of rugby from them? Yeah, I think it's going to be a quicker, uh, you know, quicker
0: brand from them. Lots of lots of offloading, and you know, with Edwards there, he'll have a few tricks up his sleeve in terms of the defence. I think they've been, well, they have been, haven't they? They've been poor, very poor in defence over the last ten years and I think we'll see some some serious line speed from them which will which will cause teams trouble is whether or not he will be able to get his um, you, you know sort of really get a grasp on the side in the short time that he's been there but he'll certainly would have made an impact almost in almost instantly but it's just how much of an
1: impact really it is the thing I'm intrigued to see is how they're able to pull it off from a fitness point of view because that Sean Edwards style of defence requires relentless levels of fitness and I just I just wonder, all the players are based out in France and the, the French club sides are renowned for playing, you know, obviously a lot of the, the sides like Toulouse, yes, they play fantastic rugby but they've all got big packs, they've all got big men, they're not renowned for having a huge amount of stamina because you can bring... You can bring, you know, you utilise a really big squad over the course of a season. They've all got the money to do that. And I just wonder whether they're able to get those standards up to match the level that Sean Edwards requires. And so I think actually strength and conditioning for them is going to be absolutely as important as as the structure that Sean Edwards is bringing. Yeah, it's going to be, isn't it? And I,
0: I, I'd i expect Edwards to almost take baby steps with it, really. He knows that he's not going to be able to, to probably get the defensive uh, sort of format that he really wants with that French side initially so it'll be a sort of quasi defensive system that will be a lot tighter but it isn't going to be the finished article from them which it can't be because yeah the fitness won't won't quite be it won't quite be there
1: another fascinating area I'm keen to see is who he goes for at outside half because oh, the three specialist outside yeah. halves in the squad have 13 caps between them and the eldest of them, Jalibert, is twenty one years old. You've then got Roman Untamak at twenty and you've got Louis Carbonel at twenty also. It's you know, I, I presume he's gonna go for one of them and not move one of the, the scrum halves to play to play outside half. Well hopefully it's yeah. fascinating, isn't it? It is,
0: yeah. I mean all, all three just so talented, aren't they? So gifted and yeah, hope really hoping that he doesn't move one of the move one of the nines and just picks one of the out and out you know, out
1: and out tens. I mean how good would it be to see you know, Carbonet and that would just be amazing I, you know, I think all of that all of those 10s are really exciting 10s to to watch you know they've all got they've all got a good running game up their sleeves so that could be absolutely fascinating you know where you, the, the usual French cliche which we're not going to say but everyone knows what it is I just think we're going to get we're going to get a side here that is going to come and, and look to play rugby which has been not something that that we've perhaps expected, or uh, you know we've we've not come to expect that from the French. They've they've strung together bits and pieces of it like they did in the World Cup, and obviously Galtier was in there to a certain degree, but under previous coaches, you could Saint Andre and Lievremon and uh, Bernard Laporte. It it wasn't the French rugby that we were used to. We were used to seeing in the '90s and and before that. So I do think for the. The kind of the good of the tournament, it will be good to see a bit more French ambition.
0: Yeah, it will be. I,
1: I'm it's gonna be intriguing as well to see whether or not they
0: can take on Edward's style of defence as well, because mm. it, it's almost like uh <laughs> if there's a side that's gonna that's gonna not be happy with something and what they're being told,
1: it's gonna be the French. So that is true. I, I can see that coming further on down the line. Yeah, if you see what I mean. But I'm, I can see there being fallings out later on in the, not perhaps in this tournament, but I could see it happening in the World Cup cycle, or usually happens with France during a World Cup, doesn't it? Yeah, but I, I, there's probably been a few, a few fireworks already. I mean, nobody likes fitness, do they?
0: At the best of times, but I, it'd be lovely. It'd be it'd be interesting to be a fly on the wall, wouldn't it? With Sean uh, Edwards having a chat with some of the you know, some of the some of the big the big French boys. Uh, well also some of the backs for that matter as well. But there's mm. a lot of there's a lot of youth in there. I think they probably needed to get the youngsters in there, get rid of the old guards, get rid of the, the the strong personalities, have the coaches as that final voice. And then look to build you know build a team around you know, these young these young tens and you know people like, you know, Killian Garachi, you know, the the you know, the big second row. Um, I'll tell you what, you get yeah. get the
1: ball in Vakatawa's hands as he showed against Wales during the World Cup. And you know, he can be absolutely devastating. So Yeah, it's but it's young backs, isn't it? But they've also got yeah. young
0: forwards as well. So I think that's yeah. spine of the side as well. They're gonna they're gonna have they're gonna have a few loss, they're gonna have some losses in there. But it is um I am hugely excited about this French side.
1: While we're talking about mutiny in the camp and disruption and strong personalities, big headline this week was Finn Russell heading back to France and announcing that he'll take no further part in preparations for the, the Ireland game, which is a massive blow for me as a fan of watching rugby because I love watching Finn Russell play. I don't care what anyone says. Uh, <laughs> but that's a huge blow for Scotland because he is that real sprinkling of class in their, in their back line. I obviously hogged adds that as well. He's got the added pressure of the captaincy, but they you know they've based their game around Finn Russell over the last few years. That's such a big blow for them. It
0: is a big blow, but it also gives opportunity, doesn't it to to another 10. Maybe they'll be able to build well.
1: But they have you know they've got Hastings who's a work in progress. Duncan Weir's come back into the side. Which, you know, with the greatest respect to Duncan Weir, he's not perhaps the most exciting fly half you'll ever see. Very effective and a handy player to have around. But he hasn't been in the squad for a little while. He's back in there. Finn Russell can win games for you. You know, like he did that Calcutta Cup game two years ago, he can win games for you. I'm not saying single-handedly, but his touch of touches of class have been enough to get them over the line. That said, I don't know exactly what's happened. If he's been unprofessional and the players have decided that he shouldn't be a part of the camp then you know what the, the team comes first absolutely i just don't know that they've got an answer for replacing him in the team right now i don't think they've got a,
0: a direct replacement if that's going to come in like him and yeah he he wins he wins games he loses games as well doesn't he but there is they haven't really had an alternative and because he, he he's mercurial isn't he? he does some some special special things that there's no doubt that's going to be a big loss, but I think for Scottish rugby, it does give the opportunity to for someone that's going to have to step up, and they are going to have to step up because they haven't. You, know, you look at a number of you look at the other sides, and well, uh, you know, you look at you look at England, then you look at you look at Wales, you look at you look at Ireland, you look at France, and there are a good few tens, aren't there? That can slot in and that's not that's not really the case for Scotland so it's a big blow for them
1: yeah it is a big blow for them and furthermore I think it's a worry because that to me suggests that that is not a happy camp and I know a lot of the, the Scottish journalists have gone back and revisited the story from the uh, from the Six Nations last year when Finn Russell and Gregor Townsend allegedly had a massive great row at half time during the England game Russell went out and then played a he played a blinder in the second half and you know really they should have won that game that to me is a bit of a worry i think if you're a head coach you don't want players causing causing a mutiny we've seen it we've seen it in wales in the the early 2000s or the, the mid 2000s and it might get you it might get you the odd result it doesn't tend to bring long term sustain you know sustainable rugby because you it's very difficult to keep everyone on side. You will inevitably then have different, you know, different sets within the within the dressing room. Yeah, you do. I mean
0: Scotland uh, you know, they picked a thirty eight man squad, haven't they? And they've got I suppose similar continuity to England, haven't they, with with you know, Gregor Gregor staying on and you wonder whether that's a good or a bad thing, especially after they had a, a pretty Disastrous World Cup, then
1: it was disastrous, wasn't it?
0: And now this, so uh, it's going to—it's probably going to be pretty tough. Pretty tough for Scotland.
1: Well, I think it is, and the, the thing for Scotland, and as as I said before, I love watching Scotland play. Particularly, you know, when Russell's playing for them, they they can be real fun to watch. And the thing that I think has kept them going in the last few years is they've had really good form at home. They've been very hard to beat, and they've pulled off some good results. At Murrayfield, a lot of that has been down to the fact that you can play a, you know, you can be a lot more ambitious at home. And I think without without Russell at ten, they're going to look a lot more, a lot more of a beatable side. Like I say, I'm not saying I disagree with the decision to, to exclude him from this game. If that's if that's what the team have decided, and if it is a question of being unprofessional, then they might well have made the right decision. But I worry for them, and I think that. I think that Italy will. Re- I know they're always targeting the Scotland game, but they'll really be looking at it for this year. Yeah, they will. The fortress
0: that is Murrayfield. It's it's looking like you can penetrate that now, can't you? Because they haven't had the power up front, so they've had to rely on Finn Russell and really getting yeah. that quick ball to release the the dangerous backs. But without him at ten, it's going to be it's going to be slower, isn't it? it I is. mean Hastings Moving is up. Hastings is somebody that that. Is in a similar, any- yeah. Is he it- is. He
1: is in a similar. He's in a similar, similar in real mode, ambitious he? turn. Yeah. yeah,
0: and you know, if, if he's he's talented, isn't he? If everything goes his way, then it could work. But he, he's got he's got errors within his game, and no one is up there with, with Finn
1: Russell, there. He is. He is really. He stands alone, really, doesn't he? He does. I th- just talking about Italy, really targeting that game this year. It's in Rome as well and italy you know they've they've had a, a torrid time of over the last few years That's such that that you know you talk about this france france england being a cup final for france that is italy's cup final right there isn't it
0: it is yeah they they've got to be targeting that game you know franco smith taking over as interim head coach Conor Shea resigning and joining the rfu they're going to be you know franco there's going to be Really up for for getting that getting that first win, and I I can see it.
1: Yeah, I can. I, I can see it being a really tough campaign for Scotland. And look, right now for Italy, a win would represent a would represent a a successful tournament. I think, given how poor they've been at the, at the World Cup and and prior to that at the Six Nations the the year before, I think they'll be they'll be looking at that thing and look if we can get a win against them. They got two really tough fixtures to start, away to Wales and away to France. So I don't think, you know, they're they're gonna be very, very difficult to get a win there. But then you play Scotland and then you've got um yeah, you know, get a tough trip away to away to Ireland. But then you know, you've got a home game to finish. It might be against England, but dunno, it's 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 so tough for Italy right now, but a win for me would represent a, a a real step in the right direction.
0: Yeah, it would do and it was set up there. It was set up that game against England nicely, wouldn't it? I think they almost need to look at it look at it as as almost like two, two uh two different tournaments really, don't they? Because they got to, they've got to be realistic as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right and in a way it's about performances more than it is about results with the exception of that Scotland game, I think then go away put in a good performance away at uh, away to Wales and then away to France and then beat Scotland that will do so much for the confidence and all the speculation which i know we're going to talk about later because it's one of the listeners questions about relegation promotion do Italy deserve to be there would georgia be a better fit etc cetera, etc cetera. a strong tournament for them would work absolute wonders for for not just this season but going on into next season also. Yeah, it would do. Anybody that you're looking forward to, to watching? Yes. Matteo Monozzi. Yep. What was that two years ago? He had a fantastic tournament, cutting some amazing lines, shredding through shredding through some defenses. He is a really exciting player. I yeah, I think he missed the tournament and through injury last year. Really excited to see him back in an Italy shirt. He's on Hopefully, fire at the moment, isn't he? He is. Hopefully, his his great game won't come against Wales. <laughs> uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing him. He's a he's a fantastic player. And your mate, my mate, Abraham Stern, aka Bram Bramstein. Bram Stain. Bram Stain is a, I think he's a hugely important player for them. And when he's at his best for Benetton, he's he's got a you know. He, Puts in those really big performances that they almost build. The rest of the side can can build themselves around again. I think he's he's a talismanic figure in the mould of the great Sergio Parisi. I would say you know not of the same calibre, but just yet. But he is a hugely important and influential player for them.
0: Yeah, I was gonna
1: I was gonna mention
0: uh, Minozzi as well. It's I like the fact that he's he's twelve stone two and five foot nine. It's just great to see a small. You know, a small player that can just dance, can't he, on a sixpence? So, for me, he's won and is is really exciting. And as you said, yeah, let's hope he doesn't save his uh, save his dancing feet for the for the Welsh game. Uh, Jake Jake Paladry, the flanker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they've been quite clever, haven't they, with a couple mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. the English <laughs> the English boys really that so they snapped up. And on the pack of that, Callum Braley as well. The yeah. Colstons and and Harpy product to scrum off. I think
1: he he could. Oh, someone's been doing their research. Someone's been doing their research this time round. Jed always I research. Always. You know that? Yeah, you've had a quick flick through their highlights reel and their Wikipedia pages. But fair play. That's. Uh, I have yeah. Yeah, they're. they're quick, give me some two. names. <laughs> I mean, they've got to be. They've got to be clever. We've seen every side, Wales included. Well, everyone's got to, to be it, clever because yeah. we, yeah. you know, none of the sides have the player base that none of the other sides, apart from England and France, have those huge player pools. You know, Ireland is pretty damn competitive. Let's be honest, but certainly Wales, Italy, and and Scotland have to be clever in terms of in terms of their recruits and being aware of players who are qualified who who play elsewhere. So yeah, you know, I think they they've got to look at those at those options. Yeah. Right, one more side to look at before we take a break, and that is Ireland. If we were talking about the French side not having that much experience, Ireland, you know, I've heard them in some quarters being referred to as a bit of a, a dad's army side, perhaps a little bit unfairly, but there has been a dependence, as we have noted no, numerous times on this pod, on the experienced half-backs of Connor Murray, Johnny Sexton, new head coach in Andy Farrell, Sexton is obviously still going to be pivotal to them because he's been made captain. What about scrum half? Does he go for John Cooney, who's one of the, you know, one of the most important players in the Pro Fourteen right now? Well, in fact, and in Europe for that matter, does he go for him at nine, or does he stick with tried and tested Conor Murray? I would go with John Cooney. I really would. I think his time has come.
0: He's playing exceptionally well, isn't he? Both. In, in the domestic league and, and you know, in, in Europe as well. So I'd get him in there and, and see if he can see how he goes with, uh, with Sexton. Mm. I would, do you know what, though? I would really like to see him play with Billy Burns.
1: Yes. I know it won't happen. It won't happen. But... Well, it won't happen. It won't happen soon. But again, it's an interesting one because they have to be careful with Johnny Sexton I could see it happening against Italy certainly because you've got you've got to be careful with Sexton you know there is such a reliance on him he's so important to them and with no Carberry because of injury also there's that, that back place is up for grabs Billy Burns and, and Ross Burns I can see Murray and Sexton starting the big games with Cooney and Burns coming on to finish
0: who would be who would be the replacement ten in your
1: eyes, backup ten? So it's Billy. again. If it was me, I'd probably be looking at Billy Burns. Yeah, and I like I just I like the the familiarity you're able to you're able to bring there, right? Because Connor Murray, he's been in that side for ten years. Johnny Sexton over ten years, or you know certainly very close to it. After that, again, you've you've not got that huge level of experience. Cooney, while he's you know he's in his late twenties has got a handful of caps. Billy Burns doesn't have that many caps. Ross Byrne doesn't have that many caps. So why not go for that club combination? Two players who know each other very well and are used to playing with one another. And, you know, a side that's, a side that's in form, they would be my my players to bring off the bench, I'd say. But again, actually, I'd be, I would be tempted to start Keeney. Okay. If I'm honest... I. Sexton, Sexton would worry me as an Ireland fan. The fact that you're trying to build a side around a 34-year-old a with injury problems. You know, he's class, right? Absolute class. You know I'm a big fan of his, but it would worry me that they're building their side around him when really, to be honest, I looked at him at the World Cup and I thought maybe this is it for Johnny Sexton at international level.
0: Yeah, I just think it would. it was... It Could have been quite good timing for them to have, uh, you know, have made an announcement, made one of the one of the younger players captain. Look to have done a bit of a, a bit of a mm. Warburton. You know, they're not yeah. captain material uh, at you know this present time, but they'll you know, they'll grow and develop and organically turn into you know turn into a captain and a leader, and then look to have used Sexton certainly had him in the squad used you know, brought him off the bench and just just you know, used him in that in that particular way. But it it it's it's not, it's not happening, is it? So
1: Yeah, I again I think Andy Farrell is obviously looking down the same route as Eddie Jones and saying I don't need to I don't need to revolutionise this side overnight. I can I, I can make these changes. Johnny Sexton's thirty four now. He's not gonna be at that next World Cup. It's just there's um, such
0: there's such, you know, there's such pivotal positions, aren't they? Nine and ten. I mean it's
1: but I think Ireland have made it pivotal. No one has challenged. I, I had an interesting chat on Twitter with uh, a guy the other day. You know, with, uh, we we're talking about David Humphreys and Ronan O'Gara when they were battling it out for that that ten position. Since Sexton took over the number ten shirt, it's been his that entire time. Really, you know, was the odd the odd occasion when Paddy Jackson would play. There was the odd occasion when uh, lad at Bristol, Ian Madigan would play. But really there's been such a reliance on Sexton that they've everything has gone through him and they find themselves now starting a new world cup cycle with Sexton at the you know at the absolute centre of everything they do. It's quite uncharacteristic really isn't it of Ireland as well because they have
0: got strength and depth in in almost all other positions really bar the the 9 and 10 but it's because mm. of their own making. So yeah I just think it would be really fresh and exciting to see you just know, see them gone with 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 John Cooney and and yeah, either Billy Burns or or Ross Byrne. but um, yeah, their that, 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 their time will come.
1: All right, last question then before we head into a break. Andy Farrell is a coach making a step up. He's a terrific defense coach. He's rebuilt his career after a disappointing World Cup in twenty fifteen. Gone over to Ireland, done a fine job. Everyone speaks very very highly of him. How confident are you that he can make that step up into being? A top-class head coach, rather than just a a defensive coach.
0: I feel it's going to be difficult for him, actually, and I don't quite know why, where that's coming from. But I think it's, it's it could well be quite a quite a challenge. But I do hope that mm. it goes, it goes, it goes well for him. You know. What are your thoughts?
1: It's it's very very difficult. You know that's the that's the thing because you look at Andy Farrell and go. If I was playing for him, he's not going to have a problem getting you G'd up for a big occasion, is he? He's a he's a phenomenal, a phenomenal leader. You look at his you know his performances as captain in rugby league. I know he still had a positive impact in the little bit of union that he played from a personality point of view. You see him on those Lions tours and behind the scenes and what a a big character he is and how much of an influence he is over a dressing room. But the pro the the major thing that you get judged on is, is your selection when it comes to being an international head coach. So that's the bit that, that I think is gonna be is gonna be very, very difficult and that's the bit that he's gonna get he's gonna get judged on. Um I think so, it's also yeah,
0: that with those selection dilemma, it's 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 very different, isn't it, to be in a number two or number three because not I'm not saying you can't be friendly, but you're gonna hmm. You're going to upset people. You're going to have what well, enemies, I suppose, at times. You know, uh, strange to call them enemies, but they mm. it's you're not always going to be liked, do you? And yeah, I think Farrell is someone that you'd definitely want to play for, but it's going to be a difficult transition, uh, transition for him. And we haven't got a lot to go off, have we, to say that this is going to work for him? I think we we you know we'd all hope that it does but it is uh, it's a hope and a prayer isn't it really
1: it is but a fascinating one nonetheless right loads more coming up in the second part and all of that what am i talking about all of that i mean told you what all of that is we got we got the competition result we've got a preview of wales we've got us selecting our side for wales versus italy also uh, and a roundup of uh, a few bits of news from in and around Wales. So all of that is coming up in the second part. I'm Sam Warburton, and you're listening to The Attack and Scrum. Right, Dan, time to talk about Wales. We mentioned on the show last week how excited we were about the squad that Wayne Pivak has named. We also mentioned in the first part of this show... Andy Farrell making that step up from being a you know a, a top class coach to being a an international head coach. In a way, Wayne Pivak, although he is a head coach at the Scarlets, he's got the same thing to do. I was impressed with the squad he named. It's going to be fascinating to see what he does in terms of naming a team when he when he names that midweek. Yeah, it's going to be, isn't it? He's gone thirty-eight man
0: squads picked. Picked a nice balanced side, which has created a little bit of a stir, isn't it, over in England, which is always nice. Mm. Yeah, can't wait. Really excited. And I, I said to you before, didn't I, that I was, I was almost in mourning, really, after Gatlin left. Mm. But it, 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 I'm pretty optimistic. I suppose cautiously optimistic now with with Wales, as, as, as I always tend to be. But I feel... I feel excited. It's an it's an exciting squad, isn't it, with loads of talent.
1: Yeah, it is, and in a way, it's a little bit different to what we were saying about England and Ireland. This looks like a fresher, a fresher approach. There is a certain degree of continuity in there. Obviously, there's a lot of familiar names that we've come to expect from from Wales squads of years gone by, but. There's also, you know, the the Will Griff Johns and the Will Rollins and the Nick Tompkins in there, which were selections really out of left field. How much do you think this is PIVAC trying to evolve squad depth and how much of it is trying to lure a few a few players back into playing for the regions? I think it's a bit of I think it's a bit of both really. I think he's looking
0: he's looking to the future. He's which would then move me on to you know, he's trying to move a few of these players back into Wales to strengthen up, to strengthen up the regions to make a better product, which will then help, you know, help the national, you know, the national side team Wales. And you know, I think that's a good thing because it doesn't seem to be a great amount of of, of continuity or communication between the w, you know the W.I.U. and then the and in the regions today, which is which is odd, but that's the way it's been. And I think that he's also identified that we are liked in certain areas one of them being you know second row where quite a lot of people think that, you know, did we need to to bring in uh, Will Rollins mm. when we've got a number of second rows. And you know, I, I, I think it's a very, very good move because I do think we've been we've been light light in that second row department. So I think for me it's a it's a combination of all three of those you mentioned really.
1: Yeah, that, it's an interesting point might well you might well be right there we were talking before we came on air about Toby Faletau picked up a knock playing for Bath this weekend the the word out of out of the camp seems to be a good one and and it's not too much to worry about that'll be a massive relief because he just adds a, di- a real different dimension to to the back row and a real sprinkling of of class
0: yeah it does i mean we've got a We've got so many quality back rowers, haven't we? But when you look at Falata, he is he's genuinely world-class, isn't he? If not the best mm. eight out there. And I just really want to see him play. And I think a lot of the other nations as well want to see Toby Falatao play. Not necessarily against their side, but mm. he's just... You look at... You're going to love this. You look at the highlights reels for him. And <laughs> he, he, the stuff he does is just... It's not what other number eights do. He has no right at at times to do what he's doing, and he just does it so effectively and with ease that it's just—it's just that he's just immense, isn't he? In, you know, in the tight, in the wide channels, defensively, everything about his game is is just right up there. And yeah, I just can't wait to see him play. It's just so exciting.
1: It is. Do you have to be a bit wary of his of his fitness record? You know, would you be looking to to limit how much he plays throughout this tournament or have you just gotta have you just gotta chuck him in there and, and hope for the best? Yeah, we're
0: gonna be we're all probably gonna be holding our breath a bit, aren't we? Because of as soon as he moved over to England he seemed to have just you know, picked up injury after injury, so mm. It's gonna. We're gonna be nervous, but he needs. He needs to play, doesn't he? And yeah, I think we'll have to rest him and be and be be clever with how we how we manage his body because we have got we've got people that can play there, haven't we? And and can and can do a good job. But in terms of who's the best eight, it, it's not. Yeah, you know, there's only there's only one person in there, and it's, and it's Toby Fallon.
1: Absolutely, and. We'll be selecting our side a little bit later on in the show. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But first, let's have some listeners' questions. Right, this is first up, Dan, from the Welsh Dragon. If Louis if Ruiz-Samit doesn't get a chance versus Italy, unlikely he will play against anyone else. Would he be better off returning to Gloucester and doing what he's been doing, which works so well? I'm um, For me, if he doesn't start against
0: Italy, I'm not. It sounds a bit harsh to say. I'm not too sure why he, you know, why he'd be there because obviously gain mm. experience and and you know that feel a good factor of of being in the camp and getting to know how, you know, how the Welsh side operates because it's different, isn't it, to being with your club side? But because he is playing so well, I think we've really got to start him against Italy. He is he's playing playing so well, and he seems to have. You know, good defensive game, attacking game, offloading game. He seems to have it all. He doesn't look out of place. Um, you know, when you watch when you watch him play, doesn't seem to be pulled around the park quite a bit. Which, quite often, when a winger steps up to to the level at which he's playing in, they're a, they're made to look a little bit silly at times. But we, you know, we know that's often going to be the way. So they have to learn. But that hasn't happened with with Reece Samit. He's he just looks as if he's always been there. So, I, I think he's got to yeah. I mean, I'm not. I think he's got to start. And then, <laughs> if he starts and plays well,
1: then there's a selection dilemma. Well, there is. Yeah, loads of uh, loads of selection dilemmas, which again teasing uh, teasing our selection very very nicely for later on in the show. Uh, let's take a look at this one now, Dan. This is from Lewis Palframen. Squad depth at center is George North the answer should Jamie Roberts come back for short term cover. Well, two questions there.
0: Yeah. I mean we, we are yeah, we are short in the in the center and we have been for you know for quite a while it's been an area of concern, isn't it? But with with Pivac selecting Nick Tompkins very cleverly for me he's going to play a big role in you know in in the in the Welsh, in the Welsh side and the Welsh performances. So uh, no, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have picked. You know, picked Jamie Roberts because we got we got Tomkins in there. But if he, you know, if we needed a if we needed a twelve and he was playing alongside a young you know a young centre, I think I mentioned last week that I'm not averse to him coming in, but it would have to be the right partnership. And you know, he is a he is. He's a twelve, isn't he? Yeah, fundamentally.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think he's not in the side. I think it's. I think it's hard to argue with that. As brilliant a servant as he has been in the past, he's not been in spectacular form since moving to Bath, really. And yeah, you're right. I think the the problem we've got is is at thirteen. Interestingly, I don't know whether. There's a lot of noise coming out of Wales this week that George North is going to start against Italy, and I've never been overly sold on his performances at centre for for Wales. I think he's had a couple of you know a couple of appearances. He's never been completely disastrous by any stretch, but I don't know. I think expectations are so high of George North, but I do feel like he's uh, he's best on the wing. I do as well. I I think I just can't quite see
0: what. The, the the i can't i don't see why we, we we'd move him at, at at 13 for the italy game because if let's say he, he has a blinder mm. we've got to also look at it that it is against italy and that's no it's not i'm not i'm not i'm not being sort of unfair to, to italy but it is a very very different uh proposition isn't it playing 13 against italy than it would be then it's going to be 13 against ireland the week after so yeah. I just if yeah, if he plays well, what do we then say? That we're gonna play him at thirteen against Ireland, because I, I I don't think we can do that. I I really hope that, that we you know, that North is selected as a winger and you know, if he if he makes the side and you know, Nick Nick Tompkins is an out and out thirteen, plays at you know, plays in that position and if he does, which I think he should, we can I think he'll get a lot of game time because it's such a it's such a specialist position isn't it and we are we're going to be struggling defensively without our main defensive operator you know Jonathan being out of the side mm. and George North you know I think it's fair to say then does have does have weaknesses in 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 defence from time to time, as as a lot of players do, but being at thirteen, that's yeah, you know, that's that's you're going to be you're going to be running the defensive the defensive duties there, aren't you? And mm. Nick Tomkins does a very very good job of that in you, you know high profile European games and in the and in the Premiership as well. So I'd, I'm wary of this.
1: Really am. Yeah, look, I'd I'd absolutely agree with you there defensively is the absolute key thing and that's why it's a specialist position i'm not saying you can't you can't move players in but i just think that north's got enough to enough to worry about you know he's had um he's had injury problems this season obviously getting injured during the world cup i just want to see him back to back to his best form and i think by concentrating on being a winger and saying right there's some real competition for places here george You've got to prove to me that you're that you're still one of the best players one of the best players in your position. Go out there and show me that you're the that you're the right option. Rather than messing with a position, potentially giving him something else to worry about and particularly from that defensive point of view, when you've got a specialist centre there in, in Tompkins, I would yeah, I I'd be inclined to agree with you. He could be an option that- he could be an option off the bench
0: when sides are tiring, and if we can get him running some some aggressive lines, he's going to be difficult to stop. He'll suck in defenders, or even use him even use him on on dummy lines, and then get some of the, you know, our, because you look at how dangerous our you know our wingers are going to be. Now that so if we're using him to give him some game time in thirteen. And then he's going to step back and maybe go on the bench, you know, for the for the week after. Then there might be something something potentially in that. Do you think?
1: Yeah, look, I'm I'm happy with him there as a bit of cover in an injury crisis like this. For me, it wouldn't be about trying to trying to accommodate him into that into that lineup too much. The other thing seems risky doing that, doesn't it? I think it does. Looking at that, and the other thing when you're looking at the bench is, I would. Anticipate Owen Williams is going to feature, just given Jared's head knocks. I think Owen Williams might well feature as cover at ten, and if he does, then he covers the centre for you. So that then gives you an opportunity to pick a back three player as your. Yeah, I mean it might well be North, but you know to give you a back three player to to pick on the bench. So just from that dynamic point of view, I'd I'd be looking at it thinking we'll actually got centre covered here by Owen Williams.
0: Yeah, that's a good point on the ten. That's that's a big concern for me as well because we are. It's fair to say we're a little bit light at ten with the with
1: with, with the injuries we've got. Well, we yeah. are with yeah, we are with two injuries, you know. It's and, two long term injuries to two proven international class players to me. Yeah, and if Bigger picks up a knock, which is not unthinkable
0: with the way in which he plays, wholehearted, committed, he always mm-hmm. puts in big hits, the way he regathers the ball, he can come down hard, can't he? If we have one of the replacement tens coming in, and then we've got north at thirteen. All of a sudden, defensively, we were already weakened. We're significantly more weaker with, uh, with, say, Jared then at 10, or or, or Owen Williams as well. So all of this keeps on bringing me back to it has to be Nick Tompkins at 13.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I would. Uh, I'd be inclined to agree with you there. Let's move on. Uh, while we're talking about Nick Tompkins and Saracens, this one's from Ian Alexander, and it's not about your fashion sense. Uh, I was going to ask this last week, but theoretical rugby draft. You can have two players from Sarries at each region. Who do you put where? Yeah, oh. I like. I like this one. It's a really yeah. good. It's a really good fun question. Have you had to think about this? Yeah, I did. Thank
0: goodness, otherwise I would have. I would have given one of my my trademark uh, pauses. And then hope that you were going to come in and rescue me. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I have had to think about this. Go on, Ospreys, right? Yeah. Start with them, Ben Earls.
1: <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, and Farrell. Yeah. Sure, you can't <laughs> okay. disagree with that. And Farrell at set. yeah. I mean this re- this really is fantasy stuff. It but, is, but you how know, could... Can't disagree with
0: that. I'm kind of I've got a big smile on my face here because it would be brilliant. It's obviously never going to happen, but well, it would be good.
1: Blues, Will Skelton. Oh, oh God, yeah. well, that is perfect, that is too perfect.
0: Yeah, Will Skelton, they're going to need, they'd have to get a bigger shirt for him. And Billy Vinopola.
1: Nice, Yeah. nice.
0: Dragons, Nick Tompkins.
1: Yeah. And Maku Vinopola. These are these are these are absolutely spot on I, so far. I've really thought about this. I've, I've literally you have, put, haven't you? I've,
0: yeah. I've put about a couple of hours in honestly. So Ian, yeah, it's a great question, but uh, yeah, it got me thinking. Scarlet's, yeah, right, I've I've really thought about this as well. Wigglesworth, uh, okay. Nine. Well, uh, just, yeah, just just
1: go with it. Just go with it. Go on, and Barrett. God, then they're, they're not two signings that are going to get the the scarlet fans excited. Not, when you no, look at all the other but, but, ones, Wigglesworth and Barrett, but, blimey. But those could happen. <laughs> they they won't. But they're, they're not. Them two. Those two will be playing with Sarries in the Championship. I would say. Uh, yeah, maybe. They're, I mean, they're on. You know,
0: ages. Uh, well, Wigglesworth is thirty-seven now, isn't he? And, and you know, his contract's up, and Barrett's contract up. So I was just thinking of. It's difficult with the scarlets because you think of where who you go with. You're not going to go with a back three so I thought, yeah, maybe a nine and, and maybe a centre. Um so yeah, I did put a bit of thought into that.
1: Yeah, look, I like that a lot, mate. That was uh absolutely superb answers, particularly for the uh for the Ospreys Dragons and Cardiff Blues. I think mean, you absolutely nail that. It just does show how much uh, how much quality they've got in that uh in that Saracen's dressing room. It'll be interesting to see where a lot of these players do end up. Right, a couple more questions. This one's from Garrett Davis. If you've not seen Gareth's videos on YouTube, they're really, really good. Some fantastic, and also uh, the the gifts he does on Twitter, and you can follow him at Davis GDD, uh, rugby coach, and just yeah, looks at things in in real great analytical detail, the kind of quality that that people like me and Dan can't do. But he's got a question for us, which is, what is the defense going to look like in the post Edwards era? Potentially the biggest impact in on Welsh rugby in the last ten years. Does a new coaching team mean that the the players change their approach from what they've known for so long? It's a very good question, and one that I,
0: well, I haven't got the answer to, in all honesty. But Mm. um, it's going to be so. Let's have a look at this nine. A lot of our defence is led by led by nine, isn't it? Mm. Led by Gareth and Thomas as well. Leads, you know, shoots up as well, doesn't he? So that's going to be interesting to see how Webb fits into that mould because he isn't going to be doing that. Uh-uh. See,
1: I think I, whenever I've watched Thomas, it's looked slightly different. He almost does the old-fashioned nine role in kind of a bit of mopping up, but he, yeah, that can be effective as well.
0: It can be, yeah, but it, it is, it's probably closer to what Gareth would do then, but mm. not exactly the same than, than what Webb is going to do. So all three of them do have something slightly different to offer, but I do think Thomas can lead that. He, he can shoot out as well. Mm. But there's nobody's got the pace for it. He has, yeah. but there's nobody like Gareth, is there, in that, that that does that. And where we do sometimes criticize him for his game management or his his, his box kicking or you know, something on those lines, that just when you think of how important defence has been to to Wales and defence has been to any side, we really need to, I think, start praising praising Gareth in a big way, don't we? Oh yeah. Because there's so much that there's so much that comes from that and then all his tries. But yeah. So then the the defensive system, I think we're going to have to, we're going to have to keep, uh, keep as much of it going for for now, I suppose. But you know, Byron Hayward and and the coaches are going to probably have a, a slightly different take on, on the defense because every defense coach does work in, uh, in slightly different, different ways, don't they? But this leads us on again to, you know, to 13, doesn't it? where, so much of the defensive duties have come from have come from Jonathan. So it's a, it's going to be a, a massive task for you know for the defensive coaches and the coaches as a whole to get to get this right. And I think because of the change in personnel, we, it would probably be a little bit naive maybe to go with a different a different setup in 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 the defensive lineup. For mm. this particular campaign, but then after that, we're going to have to slightly tweak things and change if if there's going to be if there's going to be personnel changes because certain certain players can't defend uh, the
1: same way as others can. That yeah, I think in the long run we're going to see something that is akin to what Scarlett did under Pivac, something that is reliant on turnover ball and having Sam Warburton in the in the camp as a consultant alongside Byron Hayward that's where I think we're going to be heading. We know we've got strength in depth in the back row. We know that a lot of the front row players can turn ball over also. And you've got players in the backs who can do it. So I think there's going to be a huge a huge emphasis that's placed on turnover ball and then having backs who are quick enough to exploit it. So that's where I think the the long-term change will be, I agree. I think for the short term, you're going to see something fairly similar because why would you rip up what's worked so well for a, for a long period of time? I think it's going to be a question of Evolving that system rather than ripping it up. So you think we'll see more mobile, you know, more mobile front rows? Maybe that's
0: why we've gone with we've gone with Will Rowlands as well. That gets through a lot of work, but also you know he's got a, he's got turnovers in him.
1: And, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I I think players like Corey Hill are going to feature heavily under Pivak in the long run. Yeah, well, real mobile. Yeah, he's player. mobile. He's clever. Thinker. You know, we know what he can do in the back row. Too so you know he's he's a shrewd breakdown operator so I think that that's that's what we can expect in the long run and I would anticipate Pepe looking to take what he knew worked well at the Scarlets into international rugby I think with Cordy Hill as well he's he's surprised almost ev- he's
0: surprised almost everyone hasn't he with how well he's played and then mm. he's become integral to you know to the younger players and he's a true he's a true leader isn't he? he's a captain. Is almost somebody that we haven't been able to, to, to sort of, you know, go without really. But I wonder whether whether Pivac sees him as somebody that, ideally, in an ideal world, he'd like to have on the bench, that then comes on, covers second row, covers, you know, can cover back row, and is just a leader coming off, mm. you know, coming off the bench gives a really good impetus to the line-outs when he comes on as well.
1: And um, we may well we may well see more and more of Will Rollins. I think the most interesting selection in the second row sense is actually Seb Davis because I, I think really Seb Davis is a player I really like, as you know. But he's not really been tearing up trees this season. He's not found his his best form so far. I'm I'm confident he will because he's a he's a really talented athlete. But I think the fact that Pivak has picked him is one of these. Almost telling him to to stay concentrated and and get better and yeah, keep stick. working at all the aspects again because he fit he fits that mold. I think he yeah. wants Seb Davis to be his Burn in the in the Wales shirt. You know he wants him to do to do that job because we know what he's, he's capable of ball in hand. He's a, he's a lovely footballer. He is
0: and yeah he's a gifted yeah he's he's gifted with ball in hand, doesn't he? And he does get through a lot of work. You could well be right there actually that he's just saying look. I've identified you as someone that I want in my yeah. in in my squad. You're not you're not playing you're not playing the best rugby at the moment, but there's a little arm around you know out, around him to say you know go out and go out and, and and work really hard because I think I've read that he has he has got it in him to um, to kind of lose a little bit of concentration and focus as we all have if mm. if things are, if things are not quite going you know, going his way. So I really like him and I think it potentially is a surprise inclusion, but then when you look at the way in which Pivak plays, you look at the way the Scarlets play, you then think, hang on a minute, this, he is the, Seb Davis is the type of player that is, is, is in the cuts, you know, is in the mold of, of Pivak.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, uh, yeah, so cheers, Garrett, for that question. And he's actually going to be joining us on the pod. We're going to do hopefully do a midweek one in reaction to the team news and, uh, and get his oh, insight fantastic. on what to expect from Italy as well. There you go. A little surprise for you there, Dan, Here as much are. as the listeners. Right, a couple of questions to finish on before we pick our team. This one's from Simon O'Hare. Would home and away matches in Six Nations make the international game more accessible for club players and the wider public, player welfare and schedule notwithstanding, which I think is quite a big if to be fair. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap off my answer on this one really quickly. Do you know what I don't think it does? I, I think the Six Nations is in is in good nick in terms of being of interest to the wider public. It's got the history, it's got the heritage, it's got the load the rivalries between nations it's got free to air tv coverage and generally speaking it's got some really good quality rugby i don't think doing home and away would would help whatsoever um i think it's the question is how do we make club rugby particularly in in wales much more appealing on a on a regular basis rather than how do we make the six nations longer i would suggest that yes perhaps the autumn internationals has some opportunity to to improve and evolve but six nations in that regard i don't think is necessarily you know, something where you need home and away. Totally agree. Marvellous. And then the very last one, Dan, this is from Michael Rowland. Promotion and relegation from Six Nations. We get this every year, don't we? But uh, should it happen, do teams like Georgia deserve a chance playing top-level rugby? Would you welcome Japan or South Africa even uh, as a better option due to the time difference or would you leave it as it is? I'm tempted to say I'd leave it as it is for now simple as that. Yeah.
0: And that's not that's not because I'm hungry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. Right, let's uh, let's let's pick our side then, Dan. Uh how do you want to do this? Split the forwards and backs? Yeah, usual is it? You take the you take the forwards. I'll take the forwards oh. and again, this is me picking my this is us picking our side rather than second guessing what Wayne Pivak is going to do. For me, I would be picking Win Jones. Ken Owens and Will Griff John in the front row. The big man in the front row, straight in. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do you know what? I'm keen to see. I'm keen to see how we can cut it at international level. I just want that platform. Like you know, that's a t- it. Was a tough call that one because I think Leon Brown has, has played fantastically well, uh, and he'd be on the bench for me. But. I'm really keen to see Will Griff John and see if that scrummaging holds up at a, an international level because, in a scrummaging sense, well, I think we've got lots of good mobile props. In a scrummaging sense, we really miss Thomas Francis. And, you know, Samson Lee has not hit the same level of form that we'd have hoped, really. So that's that's why I've gone for him there. Yep, yeah, I see that. Second row Corey Hill and Alaman Jones. Ooh, I just think I I just think they are best two second rows. Interesting. Back row. Navidi, Tipperick, Falato. Nice. How, how good does that sound? It does sound good. No room for Wainwright. You'll you'll note who I'm a massive fan of and would be happy to see him in there, but I just think you I just don't know you could not pick Navidi right now. Yeah, I, I'm with
0: you on that. I think Navid, we're we're a different side without Navidi. And that's been proven. Yeah. Too big. Go oh, on then, let's see your backs. Too big risks. So Gareth at 9 Mm-hmm. Daniel bigger at 10, Daniel bigger. Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Parks at twelve. Yeah. I think you know who's going at thirteen. Tompkins at thirteen. Tompkins at thirteen. Yeah. I'll keep the suspense going, but half penny at fifteen. Yeah. Okay. Josh Adams. Mm-hmm. And Louis zamet nice. Straight in. I like that a lot. Like that a lot. Yeah, so half penny to help out. Help out in the back, and obviously I think we mentioned it before, didn't we? Josh Adams is <laughs> He's a very good defender as well. So, yeah, yeah that's the back line.
1: No, I like that a lot. Do you know what? I would be really tempted. Now, this isn't going to happen, but I would be really tempted to look at Owen Williams at 12. I'm i I'm really keen to see how bigger plays international level with another playmaker outside him. Um, I would be tempted to look at that. I'm I'm worried about Hadley Parks and just how much of a battering his body's taken. Yeah, so with City, that change, be though, tempted to look at that. that would be... Yeah.
0: So that would be a completely different centre partnership. Then is that are those changes too 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 big, too significant? I or
1: I don't think it would be too big for Italy. And if it clicks, then you keep it. You're happy. If not, then you go back to Hadley Parks at twelve. Okay. Don't know. It's, I, you big, know. it's a big. These are the these are the luxuries we have, aren't they?
0: They are. I think a lot of it would have to come down to just how you know what what state. Hadley Parks is in. You know, mm. we're all concerned, aren't we, that he's, you know, he still may be carrying a few injuries. He's still sort of battered and bruised. But if that is the case, then yeah. But well, we're never going to know, are we? But I think if he is, if he is fit, feeling good, mentally fresh, which you know, hopeless, fingers crossed. Then that combination of of him playing quite nice and direct with with the sort of i suppose really measured measured run in uh, you know good good defensive lines from Nick Tompkins could could work nicely but it's not it's not a hugely exciting centre partnership is it which is probably why you said what you said
1: yeah probably look i'm i'm just keen to see uh, how we can move things on and having a bit of a uh, a bit of yeah. um Another playmaking option in there i totally get what
0: you're saying i'm I'm, I'm probably also with with having bigger at 10 that's probably influencing what you're saying again there whereas maybe that would be that'd be different if the injury hadn't come about to to answer them
1: yeah 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 i think you're right good stuff right time then to finish by announcing who is going to be the um who is going to be the winner in our competition. So last week we mentioned this. Big thanks to the Indigo Group who supplied us with the tickets. Of course, sponsorship uh, they they do with the, with the Welsh Premiership. Great to see them. Um, great to see them sponsoring Welsh Club Rugby. And uh, they've given us these two tickets, which is fantastic. So we ran the competition online. And I'm delighted to say that Nigel Rankin is the winner. Well done, Nigel. We'll be in touch to uh, let you know how to get hold of your tickets. We'll contact you on Twitter, so make sure you keep an eye on your DMs, and uh, yeah, we'll be in touch with you there. But well done, congratulations, and another massive thanks to our pals over at the Indigo Group. Uh, How much then, Dan? We've got to finish on a, a couple of predictions. I was almost going to say how much the Wales going to win by, but that—that that does sound overconfident, doesn't it? Right, let's let's get your um, let's get your predictions. Wales versus Italy. Wales by twelve. Nice. Ireland versus Scotland. Ireland by twenty. Nice. And then finally, France versus England. Oh. France by five. Let's. There you have it. And uh, overall winner of the tournament? England. With or without a Grand Slam? Presumably without. Without. Because you think they're going to lose. There we go. Can't argue with that, Dan. Uh, Fantastic preparation for this week's pod. Keep it up in the future. I can't promise that. But, yeah. uh, no, I know. I'm not expecting it. But yeah, uh, thanks for listening to a bumper edition of the Attacking Scrum. Final thanks again to uh, the Indigo Group for supplying those tickets. Nigel, have a fantastic time at the game. And uh, of course, a big thanks as always to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. Head over to SoCoffeeTrades.co.uk in order to get your hands on some top quality coffee. We'll be back to chat rugby with you midweek. Make sure you Stay listening out for that one. And yeah, subscribe to us so that whenever we do any bonus podcasts, you get a notification as well. Thanks for listening. We'll be back to chat rugby with you in the middle of the week.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.